0: Welcome back to the Campfire Show. This was actually recorded a little over 30 days ago, but then life got busy as it does. Uh, you know, they got the insurrection that happened. Um, but in this episode, you have Izzy, Andy, and myself. Uh, they uh, Andy talks about his daughter's uh, background a little bit more. I talk about my background a little bit more, as he talks about his. We also try to talk about the lessons learned from, from them so far. Um, also, I like to clarify my quote-unquote runaway status. I actually ran away from the cult, not my own house. So I never did run away from my house. I was never classified as that kind of a runaway, but ran away from a cult. And the cult—they call them—they call them when people leave. They call them, oh, they ran away. <laughs> So that's what I mean by that when I refer to that. Also, we talked about mindfulness-based stress reduction that the VA does. I actually took a part in that and I talk and I talk about how that has helped me become a, a better person. We talked about cognitive uh, behavioral therapy, um, the harmful and helpful expression of egos. Um, and we also um are very excited to push out a lot more content but we're doing this from a approach that an acknowledgment that hey we're not experts we're just three dads trying to hash out these issues that all seem to kind of come back to fatherhood and we want to cover topics that help us build a pillar, if you will, to being a better father. That's how we sort of see this podcast developing as of right now. So with that in mind, uh, thank you for listening and enjoy.
1: So yeah, I'm a father of three girls, 12, five, and three. Um, so the three and five-year-old are with my wife, Sarah. Um, and then the 12-year-old uh, was with uh, another woman when the, that relationship dissolved, uh, probably when the 12-year-old was roughly one, one year old. And since that time, I've slowly been getting... Uh, as the court order stands right now, I have her all, but every other weekend. Um, so she's, there's been a lot of, uh, going back and forth, uh, between homes wow. and she's been pretty resilient through all that, I would say. Um, so she does have kind of a reason to have a chip on her shoulder. She's been through a lot of stuff in her life, uh, as far as things she's seen at her mom's, which won't get into, uh, too heavy detail, but, uh, uh, so yeah, she's, because at first uh, I didn't have any custody whatsoever and then kind of paid child support and then, then it was 50, 50. So now, uh, she is with us most of the time and from about zero to 11, just to recap, she was really, really loving, uh, just light, would light up when you come in the room, that kind of thing. And then between the fifth and sixth grade kind of, uh. Kind of a darkness, kind of uh COVID thing hit and her friend group they're all the uh try to be word it carefully, kind of like the gender confused kind of crowd, I guess you would say. Um and then she started again kind of having the uh well we had to get her a that's the reason why we had to get her a phone, if anybody's wondering, like why don't you just take away her phone? Um because she's uh, she we'd have to be in communication with her um, when she's over at her mom's and stuff um, so that's kind of an important thing so then we uh, also installed the bark app to kind of see what she's up to and it only gives you alerts when there's profanity drugs alcohol all that kind of stuff
0: does it does it show where she's at and to as well
1: uh well we have another app it has her uh i think it's called life 360 where it has her geographical location so and then like if there's violence or she's real i don't know if you guys have heard that it's uh it, she's in that anime it's like uh japanese kind of like cartoonish oh characters i love anime that yeah
2: like... you, yeah you don't have to explain okay, that so... to me
1: okay she's into the uh, maybe you can teach me something then she's really into that. Um, so kind of like the darker uh, and putting on the makeup and all that kind of
2: stuff. Well if you want to send me what kind of animes she's into maybe I can help or maybe give some recommendations and you know there's another way to connect with her. I wouldn't uh, it's you know stuff like that you, you can't really fight it. I would say you, you could use it as a way to connect. So if you want to shoot me some of the stuff she's interested in, I mean, I'm not an expert by any means, but you know, maybe I have some recommendations.
1: Yeah. The biggest one she's into, it's called my hero academia.
2: Oh yeah. My, my daughter's into that one.
1: Yep. Yeah, and I think the characters, uh, Shoto Todoroki is her, her favorite. And the whole, all of her friend group, they're all like a different character and that's how they connect to each other. And they, do the i think what is it called cosplay mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know yeah I'm, about. I'm trying to learn about it but she's really into that and uh the makeup and all that kind of stuff and
2: that's actually really cool i think that i think that's moderately healthy i'm just putting that out there i know yeah. i know you might have your difference opinion I, I personally think that's healthy but i i i can no, I, understand i agree 100%. okay i agree 100 percent
1: uh here's the thing because she's always been going like between uh two households. And I kind of did a little research in this uh, Todoroki character. It's like uh, he has two uh, sides, so to speak, two personalities. So I think she feels really drawn to that. And I do, I agree. I think it's healthy and could use it. To, uh, just not really sure how to, you know, use it at this time. But
2: well, I, I, my, no, I was only mentioning that maybe you can Uh, you know, because they get tired of it eventually, you know, maybe you can steer her towards some other types of anime or, you know, I mean, or, you know, or like, you know, you could use it as a, Hey, I know you watched this one. I actually just, you know, a friend of mine recommended me this one, you know, and then use that as don't, don't try and be do the same thing, you know, because that'll probably be really obvious. But, you know, if you, if you're like, Hey, I've found this other anime, if you want to watch with me every now and then or something, you know, that, that was more what I was thinking. Yeah. And then I'm,
1: I'm not too familiar with it, but some of the
2: alerts that we get are like, it's
1: almost, I don't want to, I guess you'd call it like anime porn, but not really porn. It's just really uh, probably too graphic of images for a, for a 12 year old, but. Um, Hentai. So, I'm not really sure what it is per se, but
2: um uh, would you call it is it it's called hentai when it's anime porn but there's also oh. a lot of really really like especially classic 90s anime has um very um what? uh classic uh, 90s anime has very um graphic stuff to it so if you ever look up akira um that's kind of that's actually what brought anime to the US. That and uh that in Dragon Ball's uh Dragon Ball. But um if you so some uh you can either get the hentai version or the just a really messed up anime. Um there's uh I there's a couple like Berserk, you definitely don't want her watching the twelve year old getting into, but uh and there's a few others.
1: So Yeah. Yeah, no and she's really like into the artistic stuff so i, I do kind of get that But this some of the images and stuff that come back are kind of questionable so i'm not and i'm not familiar with the, the whole thing so okay. kind of uh trying to figure it out as i go kind of like uh any dad would i guess no i yeah
2: i think that's admirable actually mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's nice to try to have something that you can connect with uh I always thought she might want to play sports or something, but she didn't want to, and that's that's cool with me. You know, this as long as there's something you can connect with. Um, she has
2: she's been through quite a lot. So, um, yeah. Well, um, I I do. I've been learning a lot about this whole like victim mentality. I'm not saying that that's at all the case, but I do think you know using the using the i'm a victim of something is is an excuse is um not a good thing and i think we we even shared a few articles talking about how taking defeats and then turning it into strengths you know over the last couple days and i think that stuff is very poignant that i you know and i get she's been through hell and you know i obviously she you know it's good for you to recognize that and also, you know, say, Hey, you've been through this and then use that, but don't use that as an excuse. Use it as a growing opportunity. If that makes sense. If
1: anything, yeah, she's, it's really made her resilient. I'm definitely very proud of everything.
2: Have you ever said that there has come
1: through? Uh, yep. Uh, we try to tell her all the time. Um, and the other thing where, so we got, so there, then there's a seven year age uh, gap between, so we want to try to parent consistently, um, but sometimes it's almost like, so me and my wife have the three and the five-year-old and then the 12-year-old, uh, we want to try to be consistent along the board, but at the same time, it's like she's seven years older and, you know, it's from a, from a different mother, so it's kind of a, it's kind of a tough situation i think at least if i asked my wife she would say um, cuz she'll never be you know the biological mom so there's that
2: but if you know i don't i i agree but i think you know biological only is 5% of the thing and then who you are after that is the rest so you know i mean I, 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 am not saying it's wrong. I'm just, it's frustrating because, you know, like my, my stepdad was a really, really good dad to me and you know, I, I, I am absolutely where I am right now because of him and I'm not in my biological dad's shoes, you know what I mean? And so, amen. um, well, not a hundred percent, but he was a huge, you know, a huge part of that. And so, you know, I, I be to this day, and I recognize, you know, I, to this day, I still can't call, you know, I, I have a hard time calling him dad, but he was a better dad to me than my real dad was, you know?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's the thing with 12, 13, you know, when they're like, well, you're not my, you're not my real mom or my real dad. So why, why do I have to listen to you? Like that kind of thing. But. Um, she's, she just keeps trying to, you know, be there for her throughout her, her, life. And I think eventually she'll see that, you know, she's definitely, um, got a good ally there and, and uh, that we're, we're all human. We're, we're doing the best we can, you know?
2: Absolutely. And I think she can appreciate that, you know, even if it's not her biological mother.
1: Yeah. And, um, definitely even within the last, since the last time we talked, she's she's been more a little more engaged and kind of coming out of the room a little more, talking and playing with her sisters, engaging a little bit. So hopefully we'll just kind of keep up the momentum and have uh,
2: good more good things to report next time. Yeah, absolutely. And consistency, you know, on your part, you know, even if she's not because her body's not, you know, especially being a teenager or turning teenager – Her body and everything, nothing in her life is consistent right now. You know, even if, you know, so the best thing you can be is the same dad you've always been. That's what she needs the most, I think. So even if neither of you realizes it. So, what? So, you said you had a conversation with her recently and it improved things. I know you said that she was kind of suicidal. She's questioning her identity as a female and that kind of thing. And, and so. What was the last conversation about her, you know, and kind of the underlying things behind it and everything?
1: Yeah. Um, and She's been going to kind of counseling once a week and um, basically uh, we've just been telling her, you know, first that middle school, it's kind of where the most awkward time, at least there was for me, where my identity was forged and that uh, really there's nothing you can do that'll make us love you any less or any more because, you know, we love you to the moon and moon and back. (laughs) So do you want to pivot a little bit, talk a little bit like your your guys' upbringing, kind of your how you were raised, and then kind of talk about where we're at, maybe? Or... Um,
0: sure. We got we got all all the time in the world. Um, yeah.
2: I well, I think I I, I definitely don't don't have a whole hour more, but um, you know, I I definitely can go for a yeah, you know, I just yeah. So I I'm just I want to go for three to make sure that we had what we had already talked about could be tied together into one episode. That's all.
0: You don't want to. You don't want to do an Alex Jones four-hour marathon.
2: Uh, no, God no. I don't have that kind uh, of.
0: <laughs> I don't have that kind of stamina either.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> That's so, true too. Yeah, there's a so. But okay. <clears throat> not that I don't like you guys. And take it personal. <laughs>
0: no, no. No, no, no. So. Okay, so uh, did you want to start or did you want me to start? I could start and then you kind of key off of how I did it.
1: Go ahead, Campfire.
0: All right. Let's see here. Uh, let me see how I'm going to do this here. Uh, hold on here. <sighs> okay, so my upbringing was different. Mm. I, yeah, I, I grew up in a different environment that's just not very normal. And um, not a lot of people can really relate to it. Not a lot of people would be able to understand when I tell them. About my upbringing. In fact, a lot of times they have no clue. They're like, what? What? What do you mean? You know? Yeah. That's, That's the kind of feedback that I get when I tell them about the situation that I was born into against my will. Yeah. Yet I left when I was nine on my own. Nine, I remember thinking, "How can I do this while maintaining my relationship with my own mother?" At the age of nine, I'm thinking like this. I remember that very, very well. Um, so it was like a very fundamental religious upbringing. A lot of people would call it a cult um
2: I would call it a cult <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: it, we would we would go to it every uh it was it's like a property a, a piece of land a, a compound but we would go to it every you know week weekend five hours one way that's pretty good dedication on top of everything else in your life a lot of families
2: is this an- a lot of families Wisconsin. Yeah,
0: a lot of families did it.
2: Yeah, yeah um, ours did it too. Me and John—that's yep. how, that's how we're all. Con- me and John are connected. It's through that yeah. because of that. Yeah, I
1: know, I know a little bit about his background, but not. Uh, we've never really went
2: to too deep of a dive. Um,
1: whatever so, you
2: know, whatever you're comfortable sharing. Yeah.
0: So,
2: oh, uh, John, I, that, just real quick, I, because I know uh, you, I, I just relearned something about you this second. You know, yeah, you're, I know you're my brother-in-law, but you know, and I've known you for quite a while, but I didn't know that you ran away at nine.
0: And I didn't run away, but well, well, uh, well, I, I guess if you want to call it that, but yeah, I guess I guess you would call it that. And, and that was the thing about my family; <laughs> they all left at separate times. And what you noticed about families that left all together at the same time. They seem to, you know, have a more cohesive, uh, a unified, I don't know how to say it. They're just more, seem to be more cohesive in the aftermath of it all, basically.
2: Oh, I would, yeah. I actually, I've always felt sorry for, you know, kind of how some of your siblings, you know, have been in regard to the cult. And so you know and and andrew if you don't know i grew up in the same cult john did and um and i was uh so he john what john is talking about is his, his own experience and how they're you know they 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 left individually their family left individually with individual members and some of them we we've had thoughts that maybe stayed and are still giving feedback to the cult uh my family on the other hand left when i was 10 rather right before i turned 10 and it was because of my mom and, and side note, uh, there were numerous times from the age my, when I was six from the age of six until, you know, we did leave as a family that I felt like I was going to leave one way or another. And, you know, just to be frank, I, you know, when I was six years old, I put a gun in my mouth because I wanted out and I didn't. And I think that's because secretly I knew that my mom wanted out too, and I'm glad I waited and didn't, you know, there was numerous times I did run away as well, but I came back and that, and I knew my mom hated it too. And I always knew that. And then finally, when we left, I was, you know, I feel blessed because we let, we managed to leave and I was so happy because you know that, that I hated it probably in the same way John did, but I was more fortunate because so did my mom. And so You know, then we were the ones that left and we stayed. In fact, me and my sisters, you know, my wife comments on it all the time. But, you know, we have a really crazy strong relationship. We're super close. And that's because of the fact that what we've been through and we've been through it together.
1: I'm just curious, is it like like a kind of like a Christian like cult or
2: sort of based in like sort of? John, I, I just spoke for like five minutes. John, if you want to jump in there.
1: Yeah. You don't have to get into too much. I was just curious. Well,
0: yeah, it's like, uh, it's when I remember it, when I, you know, growing up, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, growing up, I remember it to be more Judaism based. I remember a yamakas, the, you know, the, the men would all of a sudden wear yamakas. I was like, huh? Yeah. Honestly. But I was like, okay. Yeah. But, but, Apparently leading up to that point, people had been practicing Hinduism type stuff. Um started, I guess, as a Christian based uh organization. Apparently uh the the oops, hold on here. Can you hear me?
2: Yeah, I can hear you. You're good. Yeah, I can hear yep. you. Yep,
0: the the uh leader guy, he uh partnered with my father. Well, sort of they there was a group of them. I'm not sure the details, but it seems like there was a group of them, like a posse, if you will, that kind of got their start in this, you know, they'd, they'd meet up in hotels. And before that, they would meet up in churches. And then, I don't know, somehow it got more radical and he got kicked out. And then they started meeting up in homes and stuff like that. That's just sort of how it it, it seems to be recollected by my memory. Is that sort of accurate? Is he?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I grew up. I, in fact, my most of my adult life, I, I, re, you know, because of my memories of the cult were Jewish, I assumed that I grew up Jewish. Um, you know, we were, you know, we were eating uh, kosher, we were learning uh, the Hebrew. Um, you know, we were doing Hebrew prayers with dinner and all these things. So, but so the Christian parts of it, I don't remember at all. But, you know, my sister, Alina, will talk talk story and talk like it was a Christian cult. And so I'm really, you know, de- definitely confused by that. But sounds I would say... Kind of like a... I, sorry, keep going, Andy.
1: No, I was just saying it kind of sounds like a kind of a hybrid splice of religions there.
2: Well it's it's mostly because For sure. it, yes it was, but I think it's because of the cult leader was using mm-hmm. you know his own like you know it power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolute. And this guy was had absolute power. And so you he, he, he not, nothing that he decided could be wrong. And he decided and he changed his mind just like any human being does, constantly. And so that's who he was. And I know he changed the name of the cult a lot. The only constant I remember about him through my childhood was that, you know, we had to call him brother. And that I had to be absolutely terrified of him.
0: I remember as a little boy getting kicked very hard to the point where I, I was extremely shocked. I remember being shocked that I was suddenly off the ground. And then I realized that I had been kicked really hard, like a football. And it was because I was playing with my fingers as a little boy.
2: Yeah. Yep. I, I remember playing with you vaguely. Um.
0: So, yeah. So, you know, but also at the same time, I grew We We also were watching a lot of civil rights shows. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hardcore he he would he was uh from a was it orissa india he's from or something like that something like that he's from some part of india and so he was really he empathized with you know the 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 struggle of minorities and things like that so he had us all watching that and and i appreciate that aspect of it all because so I, I grew up watching about Malcolm X and Martin Luther King.
2: Mm-hmm. I know same here. Me, uh, yeah. Wait, what year? How, how old are you? You're 34 right now.
0: I am 36.
2: Oh, you're two years older than me. Okay. Well, you so I remember the, down the down, same, down. same stuff. I, 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 I also remember a lot of, uh, world war two, uh, in turn, the concentration camp stuff where we were, you know, forced to learn and watch videos of, you know, some of the mass murders and some of the, you know, the, the mass graves and the the concentration camps and, and everything. That was, you know, that was our, that was my exposure, you know, was those things and, and you know, so.
0: Maybe that was coming later for me because I, I don't know.
2: Well, I would have been seven but, when I... you left, so. I know, Mm. you know, and so to give you some more backstory, you know, I have a near perfect memory back to when I was four and of just about everything. There's some things uh, maybe, you know, when we get later on in there, you know, we can talk about, but, you know, there's some parts of my memory that I'm only discovering now, but I, I have a near perfect memory. I wouldn't say eidetic, but close and uh you know i do remember that stuff very very vividly
0: i see i see well so so that gives you sort of a backdrop of how complicated it 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 can all be for a little boy you know um and, and whose father had just left and he's trying to figure out what what to do and is am, am i left at the same time with my other my sister at the same time so that made it a lot easier. We were kind of made, we kind of made a pact. We were in it together. And so that, that made it quite, quite a bit easier. But after that, I felt like, I, I know I say this sometimes and I haven't heard anybody say why this doesn't apply, but I felt instead still think i really feel like i i was like a refugee i felt like i was different i looked different i dressed different i dressed like an amish i dressed like the amish look you know Mm -hmm. i felt like i couldn't fit in i didn't know where i could fit in um but then i got lucky it was sports i started to sort of find a way you know, I've I, I realized I could find a spot on a team and it was cut and dry about where I fit in. And I understood that and it just sort of really worked. And all the elements of team play and things like that were instilled in me from a fourth grade on. I played throughout high school and then started in high school. And I was through many of those years. I was a captain too. I'm a natural born leader. It's just who I am. Everything I do, I just seem to, I don't know, bring people together for some reason. I don't know. I like to share information and um, uh, keep getting better. I think
2: that stems from the cult. But, I do. I, I, I definitely, I've had the same draw. You know, like huh. the my whole life too, I've been drawn. That's part of the reason why I'm in the military now. You know, I've been in the military 16 years. And that's part, not entirely because of you know my I'm just my desire to go back to a cult like setting, but but because I'm drawn to those environments where there's a a closeness. And,
0: I know, and you don't really have that anymore once you're out. Yeah, you're lost in the sauce. Yeah, because I was because then I because then I. Because then I joined the Marines and that's another cult, but they are, they're a cult. That's just really good at killing. Yeah. That's just what they specialize in doing. And, but they're killing for, you know, a purpose, which is, I guess, up for debate all the time. So anyway, I got out of that. I was like, this is not going to be good. I can't have a family in this environment. Yeah. They expected you to be married to them. Right. And I, I I, mean, I know that people could, I know that people were able to do it, but these people were machines. I'm talking, these are extraordinary humans that can balance all kinds of crap. I just, I'm just not sure I want to do that. And so I just got out and I thought, I'm going to take the college route. But still, something's always kind of been been nagging at me. I've always wanted to know a little bit more. I've wanted to always understand more. And um, yeah, I don't know. Without going too deep, there's probably some more there for another day. Maybe it's Izzy's turn.
2: Well, I mean, so I, I, I'm gonna. You know, we can definitely turn this into an. You know, a, a cult episode. Absolutely, I'd be down. Um, you know, the event. I think more. I think this is better. More as an introduction. So I'm just gonna real. What I'm going to say, though, about the cult, we'll go back to it real quick, is, is that I know the, you know, between John, how he ran away and how, you know, I was, you know, and all of us were absolutely abused, um, you know, and, and we could go into the abuse. But and again, in, a, in maybe another episode about cults and not just cults, but tying it back to the North Star of our program, you know, about being fathers and or being men, how how we became men, but and part of the reason why me and John are the way we are where, you know, we're, you know, I, I'm, I know I'm high strung at times, but I'm also super mellow at times. And, you know, I've also, you know, one of those people who's been in the military 16 years and had a marriage for 13 of it. And so, you know, uh, it's because of how we we use the cult and going back to your daughter, Andy, you know, how we used the cult and the trauma. To not destroy us and not defeat us, but to grow us. And, you know, I, and, you know, kind of going back to, I want to circle back to that whole North Star concept and that,
0: you know. Can you pause yeah, that real quick? And, and to touch on that, the suffering article that I shared, all the athletes, all the really good athletes, the elite athletes that they studied in this article do you notice that they said they all had one thing in common early life setbacks in their in their um yep in their athletic careers and they overcame them they somehow were able to take those setbacks and turn them into rocket fuel and <laughs> how were they able to do that's, that
2: that's that's so in that that's the thing and that's uh, you know it's, like i didn't get any excuses you know and i don't think you did either you know, especially as a runaway, you know, or sort of, you know, most basically runaway, you know, even though you ran away with your sister, you're still a runaway. And, you know, I, uh, and it was because we didn't have an excuse. We had to, there was no choice. And I, and maybe, maybe in those athletes case to them, there was no choice. They were going to do it and they didn't give themselves an out and they didn't, they didn't, you know, maybe they did cry a little bit. Maybe they did, their hearts broke a little bit, but, they realize that there's no other choice, and when you, you know, and kind of, you know, when you're backed into a corner, you know, and that the whole world is out for you, you know, or that's how you feel like it. Uh, and you, re- but instead, you realize that you know what? I, laying down and dying isn't a choice, and my only choice here is to get up and fight like a motherfucker. Um, and that's that's what I think me and you did. And I think that's what my mom did. And I think all the great people in both of our lives have done, you know, and your mom
0: really did. Holy crap. She did.
2: Uh, Side note, John, please link that article that we're just talked about to this thing, just because it's relevant about how these athletes. Absolutely.
0: So absolutely. Yeah. And I love that story. I think it all ties in. I think, I think it all is a part. I think everybody can kind of dig back and kind of find something that, that they can maybe pull meaning from that made them who they are and how they suffered a little bit and how they endured what? and yeah. how they found strength from that. And, and that's the beauty of, of it when you're able to link it all together, when you're able to underst- and understand and accept what happened. Yep. And accept it, you know, how it made you who you are. I think that to me is where the piece starts to starts to resonate a little bit. is he you weren't done, were you? Oh no,
2: I was mostly done. I'm all, I like I said, I just I wanted to say the other thing that you know after, after talking about just how bad the cult was, you know and how you know just characterizing it a little bit was that as that you know is like one other thing that I've learned from all this is that no matter how bad my trauma was, everyone has a trauma everyone. And, yeah. you, you know, so a lot of people lay down and die from the smallest thing. And, you know, and going back to Andy's thing, you know, I don't think your daughter is going to lay down and die for it. You know, and that's great. I'm glad, um, you know, and as long as she, you you know, she turns it in the same way. I I'll never compare my trauma to anyone else's because it's their own, how they respond to it and how they grow from it or how they die from it is there is them. And so I've met some people who've had some fucked up traumas, even to me, you know, and I'm sure even to you, John, you've met some people who've had some fucked up ones. So.
0: Oh, for sure.
1: I'm sure there's always somebody who's, who's got to be. Yeah. I I guess from my point of view, that like people will say, how can, how could a good God let suffering in the world? But, um, Without getting in too much, that is, it does kind of forge your character. I think when when you go through, go through some of those hard times, if you can get through it, I think it really does kind of forge your character. Uh, I think that, and it was a really good article too. Yeah. Like, I always thought the worst of the worst would be, uh, like me and John played football, you know, and you finally get to the Super Bowl, and then to have to be the, the losing team. Of the Super Bowl, I think that would be like, like the the worst of the worst because you you beat everybody and then then you lose in the big game. But um.
0: that's another topic I really like to talk about: ego.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. That ties into everything.
0: Yeah, I, <laughs> yep. I love talking about ego, and I love paying attention to my own ego because it, it always gets me in trouble when i don't
2: yeah <laughs> oh my god i can i can't even begin to tart and tell you how many stories i have just on my own
0: yeah but at the same time you also need ego to create don't you
2: well it's sort of true i i do think i do think you need ego to establish boundaries like if what I mean is is like you know what are you if you're not comfortable with something, you know and I uh, I do think like part of your ego has to come into play and say I'm not uh, I'm not comfortable with this. This is an entirely me thing, even if it's not normal. Like for instance, you know for me like people t- I love hugging, but generally if you don't touch, if you try and touch me when I'm not ready to for it like or even come too close to me like I will freak the fuck out. You know what I'm saying? And like I am, you know, you can, yeah. I'm. I go from like you know, totally yeah. the most amicable person to the, the literally most uncomfortable person. And I think that is you know not a rational thing, right? I uh, you know it may you know it's perfectly okay for someone to touch me, you know you know in a normal you know friendly sense, but uh my ego kicks in, and then my ego also then says, uh, makes it clear to people. You know that I'm not okay with that, and that's an you know the ego is. I think ego is okay for a to an extent, but I think we should probably define the ego.
0: Yeah, I think ego is the uh, difference between what 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 actually happened and your interpretation of what happened. That gap is the ego. Yeah.
2: Actually that's a that is a very good and succinct summation.
0: Once because here's the thing, once you once you interpret it, then that's that story you're telling yourself. Imagine everybody doing that. Interpreting the same thing, but yet they're telling themselves different
2: stories. Yeah. You yeah. <laughs> um that that applies perfectly to my example about people touching me, even though I know It's not inappropriate or it's not meant to be uncomfortable, but it just is. And my reaction maybe not a healthy or normal one, but it's my ego kicking in.
0: Andy, what do you think about ego? Uh,
1: It's very interesting. I started I've studied Freud like a long, long time ago, so I don't remember a whole lot about it, but i if you want to learn about like Freud and ego, and that's, that's pretty crazy. But, uh, yeah, I think definitely as men, I think we have to learn how to tame our ego. But I think your definition was pretty solid. Um,
0: I heard that from Eckhart Tolle. Ever heard of him? He's on YouTube. No. Uh, if you ever feel like you're struggling with something... You know, it's it's probably got to do with with uh, ego. At least that's what he said, something like that. And, and it seems to check out to me. And so, it's like you're trying to like change something that, yeah, you are trying to trying to trying to understand how he said it. But it's basically your interpretation of what is, and then that story you're telling yourself and then it's, you're tormenting yourself based on that. And so if you can see yourself separately um, and not, not see like the, your, your body as actually you, but rather you're an observer of yourself. You're more of, you're more of an observer of your body doing things. In that state, you're not attached to the ego, and it doesn't it it loses its impact. That's how I understand it. No,
2: I, it. I uh, what you're saying is you're 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 using logic to overcome the emotional, which is what ego really is. Ego is your emotional reaction or emotional emotional impression of things. And you're using a logical mind to overcome it.
0: And another thing I do is when I'm hearing an echo. Um, another thing I do when I'm feeling like a, an emotion that can, that usually is like a trigger to, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, like fear I like to point out fear whenever I see it and wherever I see it, because the moment I do that, it deflates it. It takes the power away from it. But if I don't, if I'm not aware of it, if I'm not paying attention to what I'm feeling in the first place, well, then you'll never, you're just going to be a victim to it. You're going to be motivated by fear every day of the week. And so I'm, I try to be really aware of fear. Is... That's actually a good
2: outlook just because I, I know like one of the hardest lessons I've, I've had to learn in in my adult life is recognizing, uh, recognizing that I am having an emotional reaction to, to something and, uh, um, and then recognizing where that's coming from. And a lot of times it's, it's kind of rooted in fear. So that's, I, mm-hmm. I I definitely think you can't do enough of that. So I I, I, I I've I've come to really appreciate that. And I've also come to appreciate that you know my emotional state is matters. You know, like I you know I mentioned this in some of our com- our our chats, but you know oh, our, our Minnesota yeah. thing kind of tries to um, be nice and be like, no, you know this is okay, this is right, but. You know, going back to the ego thing is—you know—ego is bad for the most part, but it also has is something you have to recognize and you have to placate. I, I absolutely, I actually find myself knowing that the ego is wrong, and I, I've I've had actually numerous conversations basically saying our ego is is only going to you know defeat us. But I, I also totally agree that if we don't recognize. We don't deal with and we don't express our egos in a health, you know, in a healthy way, in a way that you know is right. Then it's going to come out, and it's going to come out in these destructive ways, and it's going to come out with,
0: you know, I it's, agree. It's going
2: to come back.
0: And you can, and you can express your egos through sports and and art, mm-hmm. right? Um you're creating. Oh, no, I, 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 that's um, another
2: thing I've only re- learned in the last couple of years is that I have a need to create and it's there. And if I don't.
0: Yeah. And you yes, need to feed it.
2: Yes. hundred percent. And, and I've always been like, what, that's dumb. Why would that matter? <laughs> you know, like why would, you know, like, I never even thought about it. And then I started, I wrote, uh, I was going through a leadership course. And I wrote a poem for the leadership course. They uh, they made us write this poem. And I found I enjoyed it. Like, like I, I was like, why the hell am I doing this? This is dumb. Crazy. And I just started typing. And then suddenly I found myself. I had a full poem in like 30 minutes. You know, with, like it was really good too. Like it blew my mind. Because I never thought I could even write poetry. And I wrote this poem. and and it, and it was like. it was, like, the most liberating feeling of my life. Like, uh, you know, it was, like, akin to, you know, holding my kid for the first time, you know, in terms of just the impact and just the realization it brought me. And so,
0: yeah. Andy, do you like to create?
1: Uh, Create? um, I guess not so much, but I was going to say it. Uh, it sounds like, without knowing it, you're doing like cognitive behavioral therapy CBT. Have you heard of that at all? Uh no.
0: Yeah, but I don't.
1: So it's kind of like maybe it's because I work in psychiatry, but with all the counselors and stuff. So like when you're honing in your ego and your are in your these thoughts and all that come to mind, and you're kind of like observing and examining your thoughts, and are like wait. Where did this come from? That—that's kind of what CBT is. Real, just in a brief, brief nutshell. But interesting. I just thought it was interesting. You're kind of doing it without, without knowing you're doing it because that, thats uh, one technique that they use in psychiatry. But
0: uh, yeah, it's amazing.
1: I think John knows. I've always had some kind of social anxiety. so for the cognitive behavioral therapy, it's like you kind of examine examine your thoughts like okay I go I'm in this group of people okay I'm sure they all think I'm just an idiot or something and then wait a minute why why do I think that they all think that I'm like (laughs) that I'm an idiot or so you just kind of examine your thoughts and kind of work your way through it then and the best thing is just to you know go for it and throw yourself out there which is hard to do but uh I haven't had any like formal CBT training or anything. I probably should, because I work but, with all these counselors at Mayo and everything. But, uh...
0: but but it all starts with one thing. What's the first thing it starts with, Andy? Mindfulness. Yeah. yeah. Wondering, wondering what your next thought will ever be. What will my next thought ever be? What will it be? If you wonder that, that's when the mindfulness starts. You know, you don't need to try to control it. Just paying attention. You know, not judging it. I did a course with the VA, mindfulness-based stress reduction, and um, it was uh, on site. You would have to go on site, and it was like quite a while, uh, an hour long, and then after that, you had to go home and do it for. A month straight 30 minutes every day and I stuck with it every single day honest to God I I actually felt way better it it brought a level of clarity I never had before I I can't describe it I I don't know how to describe it but I just felt like a level of clarity a, a sense of well-being but it's one of those things you gotta just keep practicing I know it. I know it works. I know it's there. The
1: counselors but, are really into it. But I know there's something to it for sure.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. I do think that you know we have the answers to our problems. You know, and like one of the other things I've learned about, like the leadership training. You know, through the leadership training in the military, is you know, you'd be surprised what you can handle. And on, uh, you know, if you. Organize and you, you know, you have a positive attitude towards it, you can overcome anything.
0: Wow.
2: So, interesting you know, you, you, attitude is really everything. And, like, when you, so when you, when,
0: I learned yeah. that in my master's, they said attitude is everything. Yeah, you're that's how people sabotage their their, their careers they they just right. show up or with a they, bad you know, attitude like
2: going back to the whole victim mentality i'm a victim therefore you know i shouldn't i've oh, i've suffered i guess it's uh, i deserve this you know or you know or oh, I, I i lost uh well i guess i'm done and i you know
0: yeah and i can't do anything about my situation yep. poor me and that
2: that gets you nowhere and, you know, the thing about it is, is, you know, if, no matter what, no matter what trauma, no matter what shit you've lost, no matter what, there's someone else who's in the same kind of boat, but who's making it into their strength. And I'm not saying don't, you know, you're not allowed to feel, you know, have your pity party, but, you know, don't let that pity party destroy you or, you know, use that pity party to make you stronger. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's kind of, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, and if you don't, if you, you, attitude, if you if you have a shitty attitude or you don't manage shit right, anything, the smallest thing will break you. So,
1: Mister mm-hmm. Campfire. Yes, Sandy. Uh, so I probably got about five minutes before I got to go. I was thinking just to bring everything full circle. I could. Briefly, kind of go over my upbringing. I'm a little more oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, yeah. the sign off, and, and please do. If you guys want to go all night? Uh, I say go for it. But uh, <laughs> okay. I can't remember when did you move. When did you come to Rochester, John? So
0: oh, I've been living there my whole life.
1: Oh, and then you just, you that's right, you just drive.
0: Yeah, every week we would just drive.
1: Yeah, so I was born and Ro- raised in Rochester, and, uh, two-parent home, uh, pretty traditional, I guess. Two, no, three siblings, two two sisters, one brother, and uh, I guess the only thing kind of out of the ordinary is my dad, uh, a bit of an alcoholic, I guess. Well, I guess you can't be a bit of an alcoholic. He's an alcoholic, but I didn't fully realize that when I was little. Like thinking back, like, I would be like, what was that smell on my dad's breath? And like, well, he's pretty much perpetually drinking beer. Um, so that's kind of the only trauma I've really had in my life was kind of a trickle down from him being an alcoholic to my brother. He's kind of mean to my brother, uh, and they were kind of two peas in a pod they're both car dealers and like wanted to be the alpha male dominant buck kind of a thing and uh so then my brother was kind of a bully to me kind of verbally abusive to me so and i think that's kind of how i got to be kind of uh sheltered kind of an introvert you know uh so something that i try to keep keep aware of uh is that...
0: uh, don't don't let it fool you though. Izzy. he? was a beast of a buck no, of a no, running back. No, no. They call they call him Six TD Andy for
1: for no, a good no, reason. No, there was only four. I'm really fat now. I got to get working out again. But uh... that's cool. No, but yeah, uh, Thank you that. that's kind of where i will at. Social anxieties come from, and so uh trying to improve moving forward uh in the fatherhood that kind of thing but uh
2: yeah i I can appreciate that my social anxiety kind of i have a similar type of social anxiety where you know I'm assuming'm I'm, you know uh where I th- everyone has power over me, and everyone's gonna try and hurt me so
1: yeah. I think that's where sort the of CBT or at least another thing would, they say, hold it, hold every thought captive, you know, kind of examine your thoughts. Like, do, does it even make sense? With,
2: you yep. Know.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening to the campfire show where we have deep thoughts around the campfire about fatherhood and basically anything else that might be a pillar that strengthens our ability to be a good father, a good, a good person. And uh, if you have any questions about today's show or have an idea for a future show, check out the show notes for the link anchor.fm slash the campfire show. Or you could just... Put that in your URL, https colon slash slash anchor.fm slash the campfire show with an E. If you go there, you can leave a voice message and uh, you might even be on the next show. Please make sure to leave a contact information if you would like to stay in contact. But uh, thank you for listening.